What's going on, everyone? Welcome to Smart Business Solutions, the official podcast of GBS, America's productivity partner. Each episode, we are going to explore some of the biggest threats and challenges in today's business world and the vast amount of solutions GBS offers to meet them. All right. Well, welcome back to Smart Business Solutions. This is Rich Lalla with GBS. And on today's show, we're going to be bringing you the second part of a discussion we had a while ago with Dr. David Goff and Dan Lasky. Uh, Dr. Goff, as you might remember, is the medical director of Mercy Hospital Work, Health, and Safety and is board certified in both emergency medicine and family practice. And Dan Lasky, of course, is the registered nurse here at GBS, and he has been with us for the past two years. So our first discussion with these two gentlemen focused on Heart Health Month, which was in February, and on understanding the signs, risks, and ways of preventing heart attacks. Uh, In this episode, Dr. Goff and Dan are going to be addressing the topic of stroke, which is the fifth leading cause of death in the United States. And just a little background for you, according to data from the CDC, about 800,000 people annually suffer from a stroke in the United States, and that causes about 150,000 deaths a year. So definitely something that is very serious, a very serious topic. So those 150,000 deaths, that number accounts for about 5% of all deaths in the United States each year. So, um, as you can see, this is another, again, another very serious topic and one that we hope will be beneficial to you and your family and friends. And please feel free to share this information, anybody that you think will benefit from it. So, let's get to our discussion with Dr. Goff and Dan Lasky. If you could explain exactly what a stroke is, and I guess there's two different types of strokes. So, if you could explain what that is and what they are and the difference between the two. Okay. Well, a stroke is basically a heart attack of the brain. Okay. All right. It's, you can have the stroke that the blood vessel is blocked in the, in the brain, just like it is in a heart attack. But you can also have a stroke where the blood vessel breaks. Um, that's often from a small aneurysm that's in the brain. But uh, the bleeding in the brain from that is it can be in two different places. You can have bleeding in the brain that is in the inside of the brain. So the way I explain that is if you take a grapefruit and you wrap a piece of saran wrap around the grapefruit, if you can see blood that's under the saran wrap but on top of the rind of the grapefruit, That's a blood vessel that broke on the surface of the brain, and that's called a subarachnoid bleed. Okay. That's a fancy word for the membrane, that saran wrap that we have on there, and the bleeding is trapped underneath that. Kind of like what you see when you go to the grocery store and you buy meat, and there's blood around the top of the cellophane but on top of the meat. Mm -hmm. Now, if you take a knife and you cut the grapefruit in half, Bleeding that would be in the meat or the fruit of the grapefruit, that's the intercerebral bleeding. That's inside the actual brain tissue. So the point really is with that, though, is that bleeding that causes pressure on the brain can cause other blood vessels to go into spasm, and then you make the stroke even worse. Mm. Just like your heart, your brain has certain arteries that bring blood into the brain and feed it. One thing nice about our body is we have 
an accessory pathway for, for the blood to flow in your brain. So you'll know people that have carotid artery disease and they go to the doctor and they find out that they're 100% blocked on one side of their neck. The reason they didn't have a stroke is there's a roundabout in the brain that the blood can follow. So the, the patient didn't have any symptoms and the blood is able to circulate through the whole brain because of that roundabout that's in there. Mm. When you have disease that's on both sides of the, of the neck, if it gets severe, now they start to have problems or symptoms that can mimic a, a stroke. TIA, a transient ischemic attack, is, most people call that a mini-stroke. Mm -hmm. You have a blockage of the artery, you've stopped the blood flow in a portion of the brain, and it, it's temporary, and the body breaks that down or, the, or that little blockage manages to get through and it opens up again, so all of your symptoms go away. But that intermittent TIA, that's a calling card that one of these days you can have a very severe stroke. So it's time to be seen by the doctor and, and if we can try to help you with where we can find the blockage or where that source is coming from that we can help you. The, with a stroke we do what's called FAST. Face, uh, the drooping of the face, arm, arm weakness, speech, Someone has difficulty speaking or understanding words when they normally didn't before. Mm -hmm. And then the T stands for time, 911. A stroke is time sensitive. Every second counts. You need to be to a stroke center as rapidly as possible if we're going to try to do anything with this stroke. Mm. Bleeding <clears throat> in the brain makes you not eligible to have the dissolving medication that we give for stroke blockages or plaques. But there are other types of invasive procedures that we can do similar to a cardiac catheterization for the heart mm -hmm. where they actually pass that catheter into the brain and seal the area that's bleeding. So what, so you, you mentioned clots and plaque. What, what are those, what, what exactly is that made, made of? How does that happen? How does okay. that form? The easiest example for a clot <clears throat> would be from people that have atrial fibrillation. Uh, that's an irregular shaking rhythm of the top of the heart. There's four chambers in your heart, two atria at the top mm -hmm. and the two ventricles at the bottom. When you feel the pulse in your wrist, that's from the bottom of your heart contracting and pushing blood out into your aorta and to your arms and legs. You can't feel the pulse that you would feel for the blood that's being pushed to your lungs. But in atrial fibrillation, the top of the heart doesn't have an organized compression or contraction. So what can happen in there is it can get a buildup of clot on the inside. Mm -hmm. And a little piece of that can break loose. Now it's floating in your blood vessel, acting like a little cork from a wine bottle, and it lands in your brain, and that causes your stroke. Wow. So is there one that's more common than other between the blockage or the bleed? The the uh, blockage is the most okay. is is the most common. The blockage for your heart, the cardiovascular <clears throat> disease, is the same process that occurs for the stroke. You end up with cholesterol or plaque formation on the inside of the blood vessel and develop that funnel-like effect. We also have hard plaque, which is calcified plaque. Mm -hmm. 
that can be in those vessels as well. We are limited, of course, by technology of how far we can reach into the brain and try to, to help that area that's acting like a funnel, but we can put stents in, just like they use for a cardiac event, where they can put in a, an expanding tube and try to open the inside diameter of that blood vessel to allow more blood flow. And then we also use medications such as blood thinners, Coumadin, Warfarin, Eliquis, some of the mm -hmm. things that you see on TV, to uh, prevent your platelets from holding hands and causing a clot. I liken that to a room full of people. If you were in a very crowded room and you walk through the room between the people, you can do so without too much trouble, unless everybody in the room holds hands. Now, when everybody holds hands, you can't walk through the room. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what happens with your platelets. When they get angry for whatever reason, they rub against the, an area of uh, rough plaque and causes them to activate. All the platelets hold hands with one another, and that basically makes a net. Now, your blood, the red blood cells in your blood flow through that blood vessel, and they run into that fishing net made out of the platelets, and now you have a pile up there like an accident on the expressway, and you block the blood vessel. So I know a lot of people, when they have a, a heart attack, or maybe even in this case, that's why I wanted to ask you, a baby aspirin. They always say take a baby aspirin. Does that, that serve the same sort of purpose? To... Uh, baby aspirin, or aspirin in general, mm -hmm. it helps the platelets to put their hands in their pockets oh, instead okay. of holding hands. Oh, so they put their hands in their pockets. They're not able to hold hands. They don't <laughs> make that fishing net. The, but you have to not be allergic to aspirin. I have to stress that. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. As long as you're not allergic to aspirin, you can use aspirin. There's okay. other things that we use in the emergency room if you are allergic to aspirin. Okay. All right. But... Uh, the literature supports 162 to 325 milligrams of aspirin, non-enteric coated, which means it's not the aspirin that, that won't upset your stomach. We use the aspirin that will upset your stomach. Oh, okay. Because we want it to absorb right away so that it immediately makes those platelets put their hands in their pockets. Very good. Very good. Okay. So what would be... Uh, the symptoms, signs and symptoms of a stroke. And I know maybe you touched on it a little bit with You fast. have weakness <clears throat> of, the, of the face, the arms, the, or the legs. It usually affects one side of the body, not both sides. But there are rare occasions where you can have symptoms on both sides, depending on where the problem is, has developed. Mm -hmm. um, they become mentally confused, or maybe they have difficulty with their speech, or they don't understand you when you're speaking to them. Mom and dad, mom's always been right on. She's sharp as a tack. And now she something's doesn't, wrong. Even, she, something's wrong. She doesn't yeah. recognize me. It's like she's dazed. Somebody's not home mm -hmm. upstairs. Um, trouble walking, can't get out of the chair. Mom normally gets out of the chair without a problem. Now she can't get out of the chair all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. Those would be symptoms of that. Um, let's see what else do I have. Uh, loss of balance. Uh, I don't like the word dizziness. Dizziness to me is the room spinning. Mm -hmm. Lightheadedness is where you feel weak and you have to sit down. But those kinds of symptoms that come on suddenly, uh, out of nowhere, 
and you don't have a history, history of central vertigo uh, inside the brain, that would be something that I would be worried about. And I have had a woman, because she's complicated, <laughs> with sudden onset of, of that dizziness-like feeling that wouldn't go away, and she ended up having a small stroke from mm. in a certain portion of the brain that caused that. Mm. Okay, so we talked. you talked a little bit about cholesterol. How does cholesterol and diet play a role, or can it play a role in preventing a stroke? Well, the same... The same disease process for your heart is the same for the stroke. So mm -hmm. uncontrolled hypertension damages the blood vessel linings. Elevated glucose levels in your body damage the lining, and it causes the cholesterol and the plaque buildup to be deposited on the inside of the blood vessel, and that starts that whole funnel-like effect, gotcha. narrowing that. Your Cholesterol and, and triglycerides also feed into that. You have a total cholesterol number, and then you have your high-density lipoprotein and low-density lipoprotein, so HDL and LDL. Mm -hmm. I remember those by H for healthy and L for lethal. Mm. So you want your lethal cholesterol to be as low as possible, and you want your healthy cholesterol to be as high as possible. But when you mm -hmm. look at the numbers, the the LDL is always a bigger number than the HDL just because that's the way it always is. But the ratio in there, you just want to maximize your healthy cholesterol, the HDL, as much as possible. Minimize the LDL as much as possible. And keep your total cholesterol under 200 would be what we under would two. like. 200 milligrams per deciliter. Um, the when we when we eat, most of our fat that we take in in our diet is in the form of triglycerides. And any excess sugar you eat, any anything that converts to something that you want to put in your mouth, I always tell my patients, if it tastes good, spit it out, because <laughs> it's probably not good for you. But right. <laughs> that's just the way it goes. That's just the way that is. <clears throat> yep. But all of those extra calories that you eat in those substances, that gets turned into triglycerides in your body, and then those get stored as fat inside our cells. Cholesterol itself, I, I, it, that's a little harder to explain what that is. It's not really candle wax, but it's a waxy substance that your body uses for cell walls and nerves. But it's the triglycerides that are being stored in the fat cells. So you want to mm. eat things like uh, canola oil or olive oil instead of using butter and heavy margarine and lard. So when you look at a piece of steak from the store, well, if the cow has all that fat stuffed in there and it's all through the tissues, that's probably telling you that you don't want to eat what the cow was eating mm. right? because you mm -hmm. don't want that in your body. Right, right. No, that's good. So you want to trim all that away and try to stick to pro good protein. Omega-3 fish oil is a fatty, fatty fish. That comes from mackerel and salmon and, and tuna, uh, fish that, that have a lot of oil to that. That's where you get your fish oil tablets or mm -hmm. capsules that you want to take. The omega-3 fatty acids help clean up that depositing plaque in your system 
and tries to prevent it from being deposited to begin with. So we say mm -hmm. you should eat fish twice a week, but it needs to be a, the fatty fish, even though that sounds a little counterintuitive. But you want that omega-3 fish oil. So the fatty fish are the ones that have the highest concentration of that. Mm, great. Thank you. So then, if again, we look at modifiable risk factors and lifestyle changes that we can make to prevent a stroke. Yeah. Did I say don't smoke? Um, I, I don't remember. <laughs> Did he <laughs> say that? <laughs> so this, the, the good thing about this is your risk factors for stroke reduction are the very same as they are for cardiovascular disease. And you're much more likely to have a cardiovascular event. But the, those same processes affect your heart, affect your brain for stroke, mm. causes peripheral <clears throat> vascular disease. And what we haven't touched on yet was your kidneys. Mm. You know, one of the number one causes of chronic renal failure is uncontrolled hypertension and, and diabetes. And if you don't take care of your kidneys, then you end up on dialysis. Mm -hmm. If you don't have dialysis, either peritoneal dialysis or hemodialysis, where you're hooked up to a machine, then you'd have to be considered for a kidney transplant. Otherwise, you would expire from the toxins that would build up in your system. Mm. So you, you need to take care of your kidneys just like you take care of your heart, just like you take care of your brain. And doing all of these things that we've talked about for risk reduction and taking your medicine and trying to be as healthy as you can actually treat all three of those conditions. So treat, doing it for one actually helps cover you for the rest. That's a beautiful thing, actually. Right. Makes yeah, it <laughs> much more simple. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, similar to cardiac to a heart attack, um, is there a specific age where a stroke becomes more possible? or? There is. The older you become, the more likely it is that you can have a stroke within a 10-year predicted period. Okay. But strokes can happen to the very young. Mm. We have conditions of the aneurysms, um, one of my high school friends had a, had a small stroke when we were in our senior year of high school. Hmm. And uh, he had a small berry aneurysm in his brain. It's a, kind of think of a grape cluster, and you have one of the grapes explodes. Hmm. That's what he had. Didn't cause him any lasting effect, but it did scare him. So he's in a, a, a category that carries a larger risk for stroke in the future. So... Gotcha. Making sure that you don't have high blood pressure, trying not to do unusual activities. I wouldn't recommend heavy weightlifting, uh, those kinds of activities that might cause another one of those aneurysms, if you would have one somewhere, mm -hmm. to rupture. Mm -hmm. So risk modification, watch your activity level, depending on what your pathophysiology is for the cause of your stroke. Being in good health, being active, those are all important. Obesity, obesity, obesity. You don't mm -hmm. want to be overweight. Try to keep your weight down and manageable. You don't want metabolic syndrome, and you don't want to smoke. You don't want to use illicit drugs. You try to be as healthy as you can and take the medicines that your doctor tells you to. Great, great. So if someone does have a stroke, like you just gave mm -hmm. that example of your, you know, your mm -hmm. classmate in high school, 
if they did do have a stroke or the and I guess I would ask this for heart attack too if you do have a stroke or a heart attack do your chances go up of having another one you do have a significant risk for a second stroke yeah. you've already had one from whatever the pathophysiology is that caused you to be at risk and then you did develop a stroke mm -hmm. so you want to make sure that you look at all your risk factors and you tune yourself up just like you would your car to run as well as possible and try to modify the risk factors that you can modify. Right. Those ones that we talked about, age, gender, family history, there's nothing you can do to change those factors. Right, right, right. Okay. Fantastic. And then obviously, I, I know we touched a little bit about it, but exercise, I'm guessing, is kind of a, an overall I don't want to say remedy, but it's important because it helps. It's very important. The obesity part of it. and It helps, it helps <clears throat> the obesity. It helps to prevent the metabolic syndrome. It increases your metabolism. It makes you generally more fit. Mm -hmm. um, it helps blood flow to your extremities. And people that develop peripheral vascular disease, they, they may be in a position where they walk 50 yards and their legs hurt incessantly because they don't have enough blood flow going to their legs. But they are encouraged by their physician, walk, walk, walk. Mm -hmm. You have to walk in order to cause that collateral circulation of those little blood vessels that will help form to feed the muscle. And you won't form those unless you take the muscle beyond its point of where you're beginning to have pain. So the vascular surgeons will tell you, walk, 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 even though it hurts, walk. Mm. Okay, very good. All right, well, that's pretty much all the, uh, all the questions I have for stroke and heart attack. Was, Dan, was there anything else you wanted to I add? I just liked with? all the examples, all the just down-to-earth examples using oh. different fruits and, you know, using the expressway and using the nets and everything like that just to, just to explain it because mm -hmm. it just it put it down-to-earth and everything like that. Yes. I think one of the main things, I'm going to say it again, no smoking. <laughs> no smoking. <laughs> no smoking. Well, no. thank you for having me here. Uh, doctor, thank you. And Dan, again, thank you. Rita, thank you for, for sitting in with us. This was, this was some great information. I know I'm going to go back and listen to this again. And I'm sure our listeners will as well. So thank you again, Dr. Fruit Time. Thank and you. And for being here with us today and sharing your, your knowledge. This show has been a production of GBS. For more information on the topics discussed today or the solutions offered, contact us at marketing at gbscorp.com. That's marketing at gbscorp.com. Or you can call at 800-552-2427. And lastly, check us out on the web at www.gbscorp.com. That's www.gbscorp.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any future episodes.